Welcome back to the Endurance Asia podcast and another special episode where this time we recap the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge that went on over the past weekend over Chinese New Year. Um, we obviously did a preview show and we've got a, a post-challenge two-part two-part show where we initially catch up with uh, with Solomon Wettstein who, who joined us on the preview show uh, to talk about how the challenge played out. He obviously had very ambitious goals of doing a, a sub-50 didn't quite work out, but oh my God, what a story of absolute perseverance and endurance. We are then joined by uh, Virginie Gotels, who was actually the last survivor this year, having also competed in 2020. And once again, she's just got some crazy stories about things that happened during the challenge. Look out for part two, where we're going to really lucky to be able to bring Jackie Lung on who I think just absolutely shocked the world of endurance sports and Asia endurance sports and uh, and did what no one thought was really possible uh, and and getting in under those 50 hours and we've also got Andre Bloomberg coming back on in the next episode where he gives us the kind of behind the scenes look at how the event played out over the the long weekend I was uh, lucky to be WhatsApping him throughout. I felt like I had a front row seat, and uh, and my God, what a, what a roller coaster of a ride! So um, really good hearing his perspective on the challenge. Um, we love the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge here on, on Endurance Asia. We love the essence of the event, the fad style, the fact that there's no T-shirts, no medals. Ah, l- there is a T-shirt, but not for survivors um but really the 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 fact that you don't have to pay to uh to to rock up to the the start line um not to not to diminish anyone or any of the race directors that do for profit um races i mean like we we massively support those two but i think that the essence of the four trails is um kind of what rick and i sort of started the um the the endurance asia podcast was um i suppose just to to, to capture these stories and be able to share them to not uh, to inspire others but also to inspire ourselves you know there is a selfish side to it and um and i also i, I can see how much inspiration Andre draws from from these athletes for his own personal fitness endeavors but outside of that there's no commercial gain from it this is really about kind of giving back to the community um, and giving access to the stories of, of these athletes to really fuel your own ambitions and your own training goals and your own life goals um, so with that we're going to kick off with Solomon um, what uh, what an incredible performance enjoy this interview I was like lump in my throat hairs on the back of my neck um, tear to the glass eye um, we, we give you Solomon Wettstein 
stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Solomon Wedstein, welcome back onto the Endurance Asia podcast. So good to see you and um, and mate, massive, massive congratulations on what was one of the most amazing runs that like I've ever witnessed. Um, just huge make like um huge performance two days after it's almost 48 hours after you um reached the post box how, how are you feeling thanks scott for for having me me first of all i mean it's uh, always a pleasure being here and um yeah i'm still a bit broken to be completely honest and frank it's uh, been a tough journey really tough and way harder than 2018 obviously also because of going out all in but uh, yeah, my body is still fairly broken. We, I mean, if you witnessed the kind of the, the, the Hong Kong trail and Lantau trail, you probably know that my quads were completely gone and um, I still struggle to walk on my quads. Um, the rest is starting to get better. I start to feel what has happened, uh, to realize what has happened. I cannot fully comprehend yet what has happened, but I, I start to get back at it, um, sleep-wise, getting better, food-wise, I can eat again. Uh, all these things are okay. It will probably be about two, three weeks till I feel my uh, toes again. Then uh, it will probably be a couple of uh, weeks uh, till, till you sleep without any pain. And then probably uh, three to six months till I... Uh, recover fully so um, it's going to be an interesting journey now also the next couple of weeks and months well I remember hearing you say about after the last time you did it 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 took like almost six months to recover from from that one and I think by the looks of it you put way more into it this year not just in terms of your training block beforehand but just the effort that you put in during the the whole challenge this year um let's start with the mac um it was a it was a pretty cool morning it, it looked perfect running conditions i mean the hong kong observatory said it was going to be like 19 to 20 degrees for the all three days they lied once again <laughs> um, but the um but y- your starting time was um was around 639 i seem to remember or 638 so um you were um there was quite a few people in in front oh sorry you were 618 sorry and it was um yeah jackie was jackie was 638 so you went off in the sort of like the first five or so um how did it um how did it feel going off in that sort of like uh yeah in the time slots and um yeah how how was the start yeah, so first of all i've probably never been as nervous before a race even though this is not a race this is a challenge but i've been pretty nervous and um that of course also describes the whole event i i mean i had my whole year leading up to this there was nothing else there was no other race and i put it all in and uh, that made me of course feel nervous at the start as well as when when i had headed off i um was almost shaking at the start and that's typically not me and uh, i wanted to make sure i i don't make any mistakes as a told you last week, right? Um, it was great to see all the other honors, the community. Of course, it was a bit uh, special with uh, this year's um, pandemic situation where, of course, everyone had to stay a bit uh, away from each other and not not hugging each other. And 
Uh, we were all very cautious, but uh, of course, tremendous job by, by Andre and the crew on really lining up everything well prepared. So we had the staggered start with, uh, I think, Sarah starting off first and Tom, and then uh, I think I was about uh, fifth or sixth, no, seven, eighth place, probably six, eighteen, and then Stone, Jackie, uh, probably about 20, 30 minutes behind me. I um, started off according to pace, according to plan, and uh, because I was so nervous, I looked at my watch, right? I, I felt like, okay, you're too nervous, don't uh, listen to your brain too much, listen to your watch, right? But honestly, it's uh, not a Swiss watch. So uh, my Zunta watch just showed me a right turn where Stone went wrong 2017. And uh, I, due to just really the pressure and everything, I just followed the watch, I ran down, uh, realizing something is wrong, but my watch was still showing the right direction. I, I continued to run until I realized, no, something is off. And it took me only three, three and a half minutes to realize, but you also need three, three and a half minutes to get back overall, about seven, eight minutes that I lost. Not too much, but it yeah. still annoyed me. I back then passed, I think, Virginia and um, Mark, um, who started ahead of me. I passed them, then I had to catch up on them again, and that feels so wrong that you basically um, lose that time very early in the game. And funny enough is that at the end of the McLeod's, I had exactly my time plus those seven minutes. So I had uh, a 12 hours, 57, 58 uh, minutes time, and I wanted to have 12 hours, 50. And uh, even the first half, everything was more or less paced the way I wanted it. But with additional seven eight minutes, and I also started then Wilson with these additional uh, seven eight minutes, which again was not an issue. That's still uh, okay, but it was a bit annoying to to start off like this. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it um, on the sort of preview show when you um you'd got lost on the Wilson in the in the previous years and gone a long way down uh, downhill. I think it's like before Grassy Hill or yeah. But and anyway, you, you the you because you have to push so hard to get back on track and to make up. Luckily, it was only six minutes, but but still that little, you know, they talk about it in like a, in um, really competitive cycling and like Tour de France style is like there's a there's an analogy where you've got like 10 matches and you can light you can light that match at one point in every uh, but you've only got 10 to use Use. once you've used them you're like you've blown it like you've got nothing else to give and like <laughs> to use one of those matches after like the first sort of 10k is not ideal right and I'm sure you would have tried to hold back a little bit but no doubt you pushed um after making that wrong turning to get back on track and I think that's exactly I mean a very good analogy in terms of those matches I think we, we described it before, breaking 50, going really all in, um, is a very thin line. So you cannot make too many mistakes. Plus, I mean, something that goes wrong at the very beginning, even if it's the smallest one minute thing, can cause, of course, a knockout impact later on. And I mean, some of it uh, may try to, to explain here, and I still try to comprehend what has really happened. But I mean, I believe that in the Mac there were at least five of us trying to, to go hard, going for really often beyond the 50 hours mark. Uh, especially, of course, me and Stone that officially committed and 
always say it, it takes a lot of courage to go out there tell the people hey you want to do this right and then of course you also have to to put up a show you cannot just pull back it, right? it heaps so, on a whole lot more pressure right it's because if you just slide in exactly. under the radar there's just a there's a yeah there's a lot less expectation on your shoulders and i will come back to that again also when we maybe spend a minute on jackie who's by the way done of course amazingly well but um, starting with the fact that, of course, me and Stone, we, we, we pushed for that. And Tom, of course, he didn't officially say what he's pushing for, but he is an amazing runner as well. And he pushed uh, equally strong time. And the, definitely the weather was not easy. It was, it was getting really warm. So we had me, Stone, Tom, um, Pong, as well as Jackie, all in a in a sub 50 hours kind of pace on the mic and all in a pace where in previous years past 10 years you would have said that's that's crazy that's stupid you would not go as fast for breaking 60 because you might as well blow up and of course there was carnage in the end it was also exciting because it kind of that the carnage that's really all in that i think excited people even more but uh, i think there's a few things that that happened that I still try to, to put together. So number one is the pressure, as you said. So first of all, I needed the pressure, otherwise I could have not gone out like this. I needed the pressure to build up to, to really try to, to get the best performance out there. Um, of course, this pressure can lead to smaller mistakes, which then, of course, adds up. Um, even with things like you um, add up these this few minutes you've lost, you want to catch them again. So you run maybe a little bit harder on a few slight uphills. And the, the first half of the mech is quite runnable, right? Uh, even up to Taimo Shan, I was running, of course, the whole road there. And maybe if you push a little bit harder, of course, your muscles will, will start to feel. What has happened is um, due to my speed training in the past couple of months, I had bit of um, yeah, hard hamstrings. I was not worried for four chase because the hamstrings are typically, I mean, it's more for road running. And uh, I actually lose them the last couple of weeks, but probably maybe with the pressure, with also that slight catching up, I started to feel my right hamstring. And what that caused was that I had to balance out a bit towards my quads. And you can see that if you see me on, on some of the videos and, and pictures that I was landing more towards the front, right? So whenever it, it, it went up, I basically put my upper body more towards the front, basically going into the quads, taking off the strain from, from the hamstrings. And what then added on to this, the third element, which I would describe in this chain of events, is the weather. So the weather, of course, Hong Kong is expected to be hot, and it was way hotter than and I expected it, and it was there was no wind. It was really just stalling. It was it was really hard on, especially Mac five four three two, where you're quite exposed, right? And I did the Maclehose in December, so did uh, shortly after Stone, and Stone did it in an amazing time. I think I don't know twelve hours fifteen. I did it in exactly the pace time that I wanted to have, more or less 13 hours, despite uh, taking a wrong turn back then um, and taking it fairly comfortably. Um, so I paced it the same way back then due to cool weather. 
I was drinking half as much as this mm. weekend. And I was basically feeling quite strong in terms of my muscles after the MEC in December. Now this time I, I, I drank that was much as I said. I was craving for sugar, so I drank about six cans of uh, iced tea in addition to the water and everything else. And um, even though I was putting in enough calories, I felt like the the, the energy is not going all into my muscles. And I mean, it's very difficult to, to explain this scientifically, but obviously if you if your body needs to also cool you down and focus on really your body temperature. It's using up a huge amount of energy. focus on giving you the right energy. Yeah. Exactly. And that probably then, then, then caused as well the effect on on, on my cords that suddenly started to, to really feel the, the knocking impact. And I mean, it, it was okay still after, after make, but I realized that they're way more tired than what I wanted them to be. Yeah. So it, it's kind of these three different effects of pressure that hamstrings that started to to kick in and then that, that weather impact that really started to go up my, my quads. One thing I did notice is that you were going extremely light. And I'm not, I can't quite remember, but on, in the Mac, did you carry a pack or you were just purely going on the, the waist belt? Only the belt. Uh, the whole weekend I had only belt uh, during the night on Wilson. I had a shirt with a few pockets in yep. addition, but um, no, no backpack. And in the belt, you, um, um, you were carrying how, like how much? What was the maximum amount of water you had at any one time? Always two flasks, um, so one liter basically. Yep. I think that was okay. I mean, I, I later on, especially in our Hong Kong trail, which this time was during the day, last time it was during the night, I did realize, oh, maybe I underestimated a bit that that there are sections that are a bit longer where I would prefer having one and a half liters of water. And I was then looking for the smallest streams out there to fill up. But I think yeah. both me and Stone, we we actually knew quite well where we can fill up and yeah. uh, tested every every stream. Okay, this one is safe to, to drink from and so on. And uh, I don't think that there was an issue. Um, the, the running light, of course, definitely helps you also in terms of running form and so on. I mean, I think yeah. all of that was quite okay. I mean, uh, even if I would have had a backpack and three balls, I would have not been able to drink more, right? It's, yeah. You can drink only as much as you can. For an hour, you can only take as much as you can in terms of calories. So, for example, two, three hundred kilocalories is, is the max I can take. Yeah. So, no matter if my body would need 500, I would not be able to digest it. Yeah. So you have yeah. to basically do as much as you can, but but there's a limit. I was just going to say you got yeah. into the end of the Mac at um, 13 hours, so like or just under 13 hours, so like pretty much right on your your 12:50 time. Um, you transitioned over to the Wilson, and it seemed like you didn't actually rest at all. Were you able to sleep in the car, or did you um, did you manage to sort of fuel up in, in in the car? But it seemed like when you got to the the beginning of the Wilson, you were straight out there, no messing around. Yeah, and again, there's different strategies to this, right? Uh, so Stone went quite hard on the Mac and he had made up a bit of time. So, of course, he could take more rest. And I believe for him, this was also important. He, even last time he did it, he needed a, a bit more rest, I believe. Um, for me, I, I didn't plan much rest on the first transition, especially no sleep, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's 13 hours. 
in uh, if you do a hundred miler or, or bigger events i mean you don't need sleep at that point yet uh, so I, I could have tried to force me sleep but uh, that would have been just a waste of time i also told my crew i don't need to lie down i was basically sitting in the car and and trying to fuel that was more important to me uh, so i was eating or basically kind of milkshakes uh, drinks and uh, kind of uh, little things that I could could take. Again, not too much because sometimes people then they, they crave and they eat as much as they can and then they vomit before they hit a Wilson tray. So we need to be careful. And I still had quite a bit, so I felt my, my stomach a bit. Um, that was, of course, then a bit painful as well, but it was still okay. So I felt quite fine when I headed off for Wilson. Uh, according to plan, uh, did realize that the the artist behind me, especially Tom, he needed a longer break, and that is not a good good sign if if you need that already at the beginning. Um, but I, I was only looking at my time; I didn't look too much at, at the others. Um, however, then on Wilson, what happened is um, on Patsy Lane, as well as the Cloudy Hill, um, I tried to push hard, and that's where you said before, right? That's where I got lost last time. And I wanted to make sure I don't make any mistakes. Funny enough, my watch again showed me a few times that I'm off route, even though I was on route. So really, my watch didn't want to help me that weekend. Uh, but I didn't get lost. It was all fine in, in that regard, especially not where I got lost last time. Um, but I really started to struggle on the downhills with the quads. So the long downhill from Patsin Lang and then afterwards from Cloudy Hill. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started to realize something is 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 off i mean funny enough i had problems with the masters the past six 12 months leading up to this challenge right of course my, my hamstrings at uh, my calves a couple of times but my quads were always strong and uh, now suddenly the quads some of your biggest muscles uh, are starting to to really fade and the quads are important not only due to of course, the strength to damp basically the impact when you go down, but they're also important for stability, right? And remember, there's no pose, there's nothing else you can hold on to. So you need those quads for stability. And that started to worry me. In addition, I had uh, to still trying to, to fuel as much as I can with also natural food, with the spring energy gels. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of kind of gas in, in my stomach that that felt heavy, um, nothing too worrisome, but still in a way that it felt like it's it's full, I cannot eat more. And then due to the fact with the belt, as well as the shirt, it was putting a bit of pressure on my stomach. I, I somehow I had a little bit of pain. I, I think I was leaning towards the front even more and, and was eating less without also getting more tired, of course, if you don't take the calories. I, Started to feel miserable. I started to feel okay. This this somehow doesn't go according to plan. And starting to see I'm already let's say half an hour, forty minutes behind. And that was the moment where I saw then on the GPS tracker quickly that that stone is catching up. And the, what I decided to do is hey, let me wait quickly for stone. Um, maybe I can run with him for for a short time and. Stone was catching up, uh, felt quite okay, but also a bit tired. And what we did then, and that was from Ledmine Pass all the way to, to Shouting Pass, we were running together. 
and that helped me amazingly well. So I was working together with Amy, he was working together with me. He all said afterwards he was really happy. There were so many flat sections, right? That's really the painful part with the uh, first along the reservoir and then the, the catch water. Really painful flat sections. And at the beginning, he was running a bit ahead of me and uh, behind him, and, and he was pacing. And then on the next catch water, I was running slightly ahead and, and dragging him a bit. So we helped each other. We really worked Amazing. together as a team. And that, that really helped me through this uh, quite difficult night. And I believe it also helped him a bit. Yeah, I, I think I just I commented on one of the social posts just um, that... Um, the, the the sportsmanship between the two of you and like this is the no one knew this was going on actually like you could see that you guys were it's always very difficult to tell when you're dot watching because there's always a little bit of delay whether you're running exactly together or, or a bit back in front of each other um but stone obviously talked about beforehand the running the flats for him was a real challenge with his abdominal pains um and yeah, given that you were also like struggling from your quads at that time, the fact that you pulled each other through that extremely flat section. I mean, it's a beautiful part of um, of the Wilson, actually. The part that goes from Leadmine Pass down to uh, along the reservoir there is stunning. But then you hit that tough catch water, which, um, which is just, it mm-hmm. seems like it go, it's another 7K and it just feels like it goes on forever before the climb up to Chartin Pass. Um, but yeah, and that must have been in the middle of the day as well. So the, the heat was starting to um, starting to ramp up oh, as well at that point. Or was it a, a night still? It was all in the night. Because okay. again, it's all a bit bit earlier, right? So it was all in yeah. the night, nothing open. Even the um, Shatim Pass was not open. The next point after that, um, 7-Eleven in Taipo, the next point to fill up at the shop was basically at the MTR station. Yeah. So it was during the night, it was only streams. And uh, once again, I mean, I, I knew Stone, of course, since many years. I, he's an amazing runner, 10, 15 years of accomplished running career, one of the best runners in Hong Kong. And for me, it was, I have a lot of respect for him. And it was, of course, already that alone was, was worth lining up at Fortress to, to run with him, Tom, and all the others. And now I, I really got to know him also as a as a person, as a human being, as such a nice, really nice person. He was he was helping me, I was helping him, and this this really built a friendship within those hours that probably uh, will be strong for the rest of my life. And even said at the end when he saw me finish, he also when I was basically crying, he was crying as well because he felt it so hard because he went through similar pain, he went through. The whole journey so this bond was was really strong for me and it meant a lot to me and uh, i will come back to that afterwards because that describes basically what fortress is all about it's it's way more than it's just one person trying to to go all in it's it's all the people right and i remember then when he after shouting pass he, he said he needs to line down quickly five ten minutes he's really tired and I realized, I mean, my my quads are so down that the next downhill I will basically walk. So I felt like, okay, I go ahead and then he will catch up again. And funny enough is that, of course, towards the MTR, he did then catch up again. We were almost at the same um, transition once again. And then even at the, the Wilson end, um, he was then going ahead a little bit again. But he spent actually quite a big part of the trace together, both with the, with the same goal which is 
really, really amazing to see. And he's, even though he's, I mean, similarly, similar pace, such a different runner to me as well, right? I mean, he, the way he, he runs very light, uh, very small steps, it, it feels effortless to me, right? Uh, for me, it, it's more more power, more full gas, and it, it's funny to to compare, but but both um, both ways work quite well. So, long story short, Wilson didn't go according to plan, which I knew is the hardest try for me anyway. It was the same also for Stone, but what was different is if it just goes a little bit longer, and maybe if you're mentally drained. You can be cheered up and then maybe you you go again. But the fact that my quads then really towards the end of the worlds with all these up and downs, uh, Violet Hill and the Twins, I realized this day they don't bring me to the end. It's just it's not happening. It's like a sponge. It's not they don't they're not stable. They're not they're not giving me the power and the downhills go almost as long as or even longer than the uphills. And that's where, of course, everything broke. I, I knew my plan is gone. I'm one hour, 50 minutes behind schedule. There's no way I can catch up because my body is simply not uh, not there. And so you got to the end of the Wilson and you, you, an hour and 50 minutes or an hour and 15 or an hour and 50 behind your plan time? An hour and 15. An hour 15. and 15, basically. I was messaging with... Um, with Andre and um, and he mentioned that you and you've mentioned it as well that you you'd got to the start of the Hong Kong trail really emotional and you talked about this in your interview with, with Mark Agnew and the SMP just around the difference between you and Tom and how like Tom runs with his heart and and you run with your with your mind and everything was about structure everything was around um, the, the exact right nutrition exact timings and, and everything was just um so very specific and meticulous meticulous and then the the emotion pours out at the beginning of the hong kong trail and um how do you how do you keep going at that point when when your heart takes over yeah so what has happened is that some of the last climbs on on wilson i texted my wife manu that i'm broken and I did that because I wanted her to realize she needs to find a way to basically put on put on the trigger. And I didn't know what to do because my brain, of course, realized it's it's done. Your plan, you will not be able to follow your plan anymore. Just screw it. Um, and that was all what, is, what this event meant to you. You wanted to break a specific time. Uh, why the heck would you even want to continue? And uh, so I had no clue. I had no idea what to do. Uh, I just texted that small message to to my wife and uh, completed towards the end of Wilson. And what happened is I went straight into the car and no, no idea what, what to do. And she started to play those voice messages from the people. So there were people from the running community, from on the base camp, from the Uglo team, friends, family. They all just said, hey, Salman, keep running. We believe in you. We, we see that you're pushing hard. You have to continue. And it, 
it was so intense to me. I mean, I was my brain was blown up, uh, my body was broken. I was in the car ride, and uh, it's still two trays to go, and I, I was so broken. And then these messages, it made me realize how much this means not only to me but everyone else out there, right? I mean, I've seen so many people on the on the trail. Many of them I don't even know. They've screamed my name. They've 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 pushed me, and I felt like, why are they doing this? Why why are they believing in me? And I stop believing in me. This this can this cannot be this cannot be right, right? And I I'm a type A unemotional person normally, and but that moment in the car, I completely broke out in tears. I. I rarely have that. I don't know if I ever had that in my entire life. But given that everything was broken in terms of my body, I had no clue how to proceed. These messages just, they kind of squeezed me off like a sponge, but then also pushed me up again and, and, and started to rebuild flow, flowing energy into me and, and somehow gave me a new a new purpose. If, if that makes sense, I, it's almost a new purpose. To now, it's not about time. Time becomes completely irrelevant now. It's about what this event is all about. This whole Hong Kong Four Chase in the biggest pandemic we've probably all went through, with uh, really people being stuck at home. Now you have this kind of uh, chance to to prove yourself, to go off and beyond, and everyone believes in you. It's this this amazing community, amazing friendship, amazing camaraderie of, of, of really all amazing people. I was, it somehow gave me a new new purpose, a new idea of what I can do. And um, there were still others saying, hey, you can even still break 50. I knew my courts will not allow for that. I just said, okay, let's make sure I finish the Hong Kong trail in a way that it's not getting too late because otherwise it gets mentally even even harder. So I said then okay, let's do it in uh, let's say seven thirty to to eight hours, um, which uh, would then give me way enough time, basically twenty hours of time to finish um, then a Lantau Trail. Um, interestingly, of course, Hong Kong Trail was this time during the day. It was super warm again. I didn't. Uh, even think of all the tourists and the people out there. The Dragon's Back was completely crowded. It was like Mongkok uh, trying to to get through through the crowds. So it was really really hard work. But I had that new gained motivation, new spirit that kept me dragging on. Even if I had to walk, then I walked. But I kept pushing just to really finish that Hong Kong train and getting on that. Now, late the ferry, the, the basically 8.20pm uh, ferry. Wow. Um, you got to the end of the Hong Kong Trail. Um, around, did you, it was around 8 o'clock. Like, did you know, did you know you had plenty, before 8 o'clock, did you have time to rest before the 2020 ferry to, um, to, to Muiwo? So that's another thing. So first of all, I, I didn't take my rest from Wilson to Hong Kong Trail. Just went off um, and didn't really fully hydrate. So that, of course, started to have more and more impact on my body even further. Um, 
But then again, when I came towards, let's say, the end of the Hong Kong Trail, I did realize, okay, at 20, I want to have enough time in transition to at least take a shower. And I always took a shower quickly. And that really helped. Uh, I had no chafing, nothing in that regard. Um, so I wanted to have a quick shower first, be nice, fresh, rest up again, then uh, for lunch. I had enough exactly that time. Everything was lined out. Um, in terms of the transition, so that was all perfect. And once again, reaching the peak, there was uh, the Yugo team and other um, other of my friends and sport colleagues uh, cheering. That was so amazing. Um, and once again, also with the car ride, I saw all the messages of even my team from from work, St. Paul's. It was really brilliant to see everyone supporting that much. So from again from the beginning of Hong Kong Trail, that no doubts anymore that I will not finish, despite the fact that I might need to crawl on my four, uh, four because I simply don't have the power anymore. But I, I felt like I will get carried through all that pain with all the support. So I was actually then doing the Hong Kong Trail slightly faster than 2018, despite all the pain. Um, and reached then the ferry and there were people saying, hey, you still have enough time. And now the interesting fact is, if you would have asked me last week, if you have 11 hours time for long that trail, do you think you could break 50? And I would have said, of course, 11 hours is for me enough time on long that trail, but not without uh, the quads, of course, right? So if, if I would have been in the basically more or less the shape of 2018, uh, there I did it in 12 hours at about half an hour rest. So one 11 hour, 11 hours 30 of, of running, I definitely could have done it in 11 hours, but again, my legs were gone. So, and uh, anyway, gave up on the time. I didn't want to do it. So I got a little bit of a massage uh, from, from one of my wife at the Lanta base camp. People cheering me on, uh, taking a little bit of a breath, 10, 15 minutes, and then basically headed out um, onto my backyard for within the last trail. And so you hit the catchwater along the south side of um, uh, of Lantau Island, and you're moving pretty quickly. Like, I mean, seeing you go off from Mui Wai, like actually, you couldn't tell that your your quads were completely shot. And it's worth noting that you weren't the only one. I mean, Tom's quads were were shot. I think a lot of people the the heat had um, had really affected their muscles a, a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think also Stone he got knee problems and why do you get knee problems it's because of course the the muscles are giving up and you you have a stronger impact on the knees so I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a very similar impact i think everyone most of the the runners had that impact uh, that was caused probably also pushing a bit harder because everyone has done it before plus also the heat uh, the whole combination uh, i mean even nikki Chang, all of them said uh, it was harder for them than last time yeah yeah, and and so you um you you were still moving very well, like uh, in spite of the um the the blown quads, and um you were the only one on the twenty twenty ferry, like twenty past eight um, in the evening ferry. Um, you had um, uh, Jackie was on the was on the following ferry. Did you know sort of where he was at that point? Did you had you actually crossed him on the um yeah, uh, on any of the course? So there were. I mean, first of all, it was. Um 
fifth crashed when I heard that Stone had to pull out. That was um, really a pity. I think I really wanted him to to break fifty. I really wanted him to see him finish, and uh, that was was a bit of a blow when I heard of it uh, during the uh, the Hong Kong trail. Um, I also heard them from Tom, of course, which also made me a bit sad because Tom really stands for four chains for me and I really wanted to see him finish. And uh, I knew that Jackie and Pong are somewhere behind me, but I didn't bother about time at all. And I think Jackie then started about an hour behind me on Lantau Trail, but with that, uh, let's say, half an hour uh, late to start, so so probably about 20 minutes, half hour behind in real time. Um, and that shows you again, right, that and I could have even started immediately after reaching uh, Moy Wall. There would have been another 15 minutes. So time-wise, if I would have been in good shape, obviously that there could have still be another push. Um, once again, I'm moving well in a sense of on the catch water, you don't need your quads, right? Mm. Now you need to imagine that Lanta Trail is actually, like Wilson, quite complex in a sense of how you run it. You have the big climbs, but then you have the flats and then you have the technical parts. So I could still climb okay if I used my calves and my glutes, right? What didn't work is using my quads. So if you take small steps, you can move quite fine. And I was surprised how my calves still hold up. I mean, they're way smaller than quads, right? And uh, so I was just rebalancing using different muscles, uh, which was more difficult on the downhill, especially if there is big steps, right? If there's small steps, I, I took really small steps down. Now there is sections like, for example, OK1, that's that peninsula um, at the south end of Lantau. And goes a little bit up and down. People would say that's uh, very easy, right? Non-technical. But for me, this took way longer than, than the normal times. And that's where Jackie also catched up. Because I, I simply had to walk sections that are only a little bit technical, where you have a little bit of an uphill, but you have no stability. Even on Hong Kong Jay, some of these sections where there are all the roots and the, the stones, I couldn't run because I didn't have the stability. On a flat catch water, I could still run. That was no issue. But whenever it was technical, it was impossible for me to run. And that there was a section then from Fan Lao to Tayo um, at the coast, where there's a lot of rocks. Normally, you hop through those rocks easily, right? And it's maybe, I don't know, a 100 meter stretch. I was crawling on my fours over those rocks. I was falling a number of times. I uh, basically then also um, cracked my ankle a little, a little bit um, that caused an inflammation afterwards because I could simply not hold myself together on, on unstable terrain. And that was just so so painful. And so wherever it was kind of flattish or it was um, normal kind of stair climbing that was still doable somehow, but whenever it got technical, it was just like you run on a sponge, right? There was no stability whatsoever, and it was every, it's like every inch is then in pain. It causes you, your brain to almost ex explode because of every small misstep feels so painful, right? And that's yeah. where then from Tayo climbing all the way up, I just realized this, this is, 
this is now just six hours of pure pain, <laughs> enduring pain. And I mean, I'm, I'm used to take pain, but this, this much, that was the first time in my life. And oh boy, I can tell you, Lantapik, which I've done in Everesting Lantapik, I've done it two hundreds of times the past few years. I've never had an issue going up there, and I always felt like, okay, how can other hikers really struggle to to go go down all on the, on the all four? This time, I felt like really, I don't know, a hundred year old, year old uh, broken man <laughs> trying to to climb up uh, that peak, and I was I was literally using my hands to to crawl and to hold myself and suddenly this this lantern peak and I started to get hallucination I was, was tired and suddenly it, it looked so different lantern peak has a lot of big big heavy rocks that normally I don't see because I don't need them I just go up the stairs I take sometimes even two steps or quite quickly and now I was really holding those rocks wherever I could to just keep balance. It was the balance whenever you have a big step that I I almost uh, fell and due to the exhaustion and pain, I almost fainted, right? Every two, three steps I had to stop. I almost felt like this this is too much, I can't take it. And, uh, and then I stopped a bit, then, then I took two, three steps, I stopped. And it took, of course, almost forever, also mentally. So, Solomon, I, going I, I, I want to interject just there. This is how any normal human being feels like when they go up Lantau. <laughs> so, like, any normal hikers that are listening to this is like, yeah, like, that's exactly how it feels. Like, I remember the first couple of times I did it, it'll be a few steps and then, like, oh, there's a bench there. Oh, great, I'll sit down for a bit. But, like, this is just any normal human being. But, mate, you're, you're superhuman. And I was, I was actually, the night before it started, I, had, I just was thinking about, you know, the four of you, you, Stone uh, and, and Tom, and, um, and just thinking, um, what's the difference between now and the last time that you guys took a like, how the, how the challenge evolved? And I, like, I messaged Andre and I was like, do you know what? I think like the lack of poles are going to be a factor this time. Like the, every, everyone's used poles the last time they've done it. And granted, you've all been training without it, but, but the times that you did were assisted with poles and here's like ah they're overrated and of course like like four trails but on the contrary i mean when when you think of the amount that it alleviates the pressure on the quads and on the muscles just that even just taking the the weight of your two arms which can i mean weigh like 12 kilos between like just taking that weight off of the legs Mm -hmm. is rather than pulling yourself not just taking into account pulling yourself up with the poles it's a big factor and like uh, and i think with i i can imagine if you'd have had poles that that two hours difference would have um would have been eradicated absolutely i mean uh, again i i like to to run free with uh, less weight uh, and no big equipment so i i like on one hand the fact to run without poles and yes at the beginning mac you don't need it there's a lot of running sections but once your quads give up, pose will be a tremendous help. So especially downhill. And I remember 2018 that downhill I was using the pose to give me stability. Yeah. And that every time where you basically you you your body gives in, 
because you, you don't have the masses anymore to, to damp the, the really the, the downhill force. That that little bit of, of pole stability is, is a huge help. And uh, I I do think this, this definitely would have uh, made a big difference in this case. I mean, overall, it's difficult to say, of course, yeah. um, all these different elements. And, and once again, maybe a little bit of a cooler temperature, a little bit of a different weather, maybe it would have not been needed. But one one thing for sure, I really am so happy that Jackie finished on the 50, on the 50 hours. Because I think he was not the person going out there saying, hey, I will break 50. He's, he's not the person um, to, to put that in, and that's his only goal. Uh, I mean, he's an amazing runner since 10, 15 years, has won so many races in Hong Kong. He's local, he's born and raised in Hong Kong. Uh, it really stands for the, the Hong Kong uh, trail running community. And I, I really love him. And he always is, is, is cheering people on, is, is happy and so humble, right? And the when, I, when he passed me, I saw that he looked so strong. It probably was like 2018 when I passed Rashi on the catch water where I felt actually quite strong and, and he was almost broken. This time it was the other way around. And and he told me that yeah, when he when he came on to Lantau, people started to pushing him, hey, you can still even break fifth, you can make history. He didn't even think of that uh, at that point in time. And then he said, okay, I just catch up to, to Solomon and, and run with him and, and then let's see. And then he said, yeah, let's finish together. And that, I mean, he was in so much better form right there. That I said, no, no, you rather go ahead. And I believe that this push of me, Stone, and everyone at the front basically opened up the doors also for someone like Jackie to, to step in and, and take over when we were cracking in, when we were basically uh, crushed. And that shows, again, once it, it's kind of like almost a team effort in that sense. If someone would have just gone alone to break fifth, I don't think this would have happened but the fact that people pushed and then Jackie maybe because he, he was the only one probably not pushing as hard I don't know I need to ask him but as hard it seems as the others maybe he had a little bit more energy than kind of saved and then at the, at the end of on Lanta Trail he could really give it all in right and that was amazing to see how he then just felt so like comparing me like an old man <laughs> going along uh, the, the difficult technical sections and he really then nearly crushed it. And that also helped me because I, I, I wanted that the plan works, right? And it proved that the plan works. I couldn't execute the plan for, for those very reasons, but Jackie in the end uh, executed and uh, showed it's possible to go below, below 50 and it's... Uh, Basically, also helps me that I don't need to go back and prove myself, right? Solomon, you have proved yourselves to the end of the earth and back, mate. You've got absolutely nothing, nothing to prove. And I think that it's really fitting that, I mean, I was chatting to, to Ricky who the podcast with, and we were just saying that that actually is really fitting that, you know, Jackie being a Hong Konger as well is like great. But at the same time, like, you like, you are so such a key and an important part of the uh, the ultra running community in in Hong Kong as well. You're you're also synonymous with it, um, and dragging yourself on when you knew that it was that fifty hours was not within reach is just like one of the most commendable and inspiring things. It would have been so easy to just go, 
without any plan B. All I want to do is break 50. And as soon as they're out, just to go, fuck it. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. The fact that you carried on is just unbelievable. I think that's very, very important. For me, it was, again, a life learning um, experience. The, the, the last six, 12 months, there were all these FKTs. And especially in Hong Kong, temperature makes such a big difference. You see someone like Stingray running a Hong Kong um, trail in, in the 40, 45, and then two, three weeks later, runs it 20, 25 minutes faster, really absolutely nailing it. So the first time it blows up towards the end, the second time it really nails it. So you can go out for FKTs and maybe the third, fourth, fifth time you manage that time, right? And so it, for, for four tries, it's not like you can take three, four, five chances, right? You cannot just go, oh, okay, I, I tried another time. And you cannot t- take the best weather. You cannot take the best conditions and, and uh, whatever you want to have. You have to take that chance uh, that is there. And that's why uh, I think it, it was for me more to prove, of course, laying things together that this is what you can do. This is what you can achieve also with working really, really hard for uh, for your targets. And I think that I have all proven without now even managing to go below 50. A few things going a little bit different, maybe different weather. It could have gone all well. So I don't need to prove it. And I'm happy that Jackie proved it. But what I could experience is actually even way bigger than if I would have broken 50. What I experienced is that when I completely, when I was completely crushed, I had to stop. I couldn't force my mind, my brain to continue, that actually I can continue with uh, my heart as a type A unemotional person due to the community out there. And I'm so thankful to to have this community in this environment with the pandemic, difficult times in, in Hong Kong, with really all the people, my my business, my, my friends, my family, you, everyone out there really making this um, happen. So I felt like I was just carried on. And that that is an experience I've never had before in a run. And I'm really grateful that I could, could get that experience. Salah, what a, what a beautiful way to, to sum it up and to finish. And um and yeah, we just also have to like uh, your your amazing wife as well. That's just what an incredible support she's been, not just in this event, but just over the last few years as well. I've seen her like at the finish line the last couple of years and just soaking it all up with you. Just what an amazing support she's been. Um, the the For anyone that hasn't seen it, just to watch the video of you at the end was just truly emotional. Like, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to hold back the tears watching that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just a, just an amazing, amazing experience for everyone watching and, and supporting. It's definitely a time also for me to uh, say thank you once again. I mean, thank you for to you, of course, uh, really for broadcasting. Thanks to Robin and Ben for uh, and the whole camera and video crews for for really um, trying to capture every moment. Um, I mean. Thanks to all the runners out there as well. I mean, who tortured themselves to to inspire uh, others. And I really feel that the people got refreshed and inspired after this weekend uh, to go out there despite uh, difficult times uh, and really try to, to achieve amazing things. And 
course, Andre and uh, Paper. I mean, it's it's so amazing how how they put their all in for this challenge. And uh, I mean, Andre, he knew exactly what I went through, and uh, I really love to to see how how he really is able to to run that roller coaster together with all the runners and and keeps keeps doing this even after 10 years. So thank you, Andre, for this. And of course, I mean, most of all, thanks to Manu, my love of my life. It's it's really amazing how she she triggered um, me to continue by taking all the messages of everyone, by really coming up with that brilliant idea. I would have never thought of it. And um, I'm really happy that uh, we all could kind of complete the journey together because I would have not wanted to go out here again and give it another try. Salah, you're an absolute legend, mate. Thank you. Thank you for inspiring everyone. Enjoy the recovery. And uh, however long it's going to take, I hope you're able to fill your toes again soon. Um, look, thanks, for, thanks for being so generous with your time as well to share this story with everyone. I'm sure they'll, um, uh, yeah, everyone would like, love to have hear it. And um, be well, get well, rest up, and we'll speak soon. Thanks. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Virginie, welcome onto the Endurance Asia podcast. Massive congratulations for um for surviving this weekend's Hong Kong Four Trails uh, reunion year, the tenth edition. Um, we saw you out there on the uh, on the trails last year as well. Um, what on earth first like first question like um what persuaded you to um to to come back for uh, for another go this year uh, thank you very much scott for for having me um i my main motivation was not to miss the 10th um, anniversary of um, hong kong four trails um andre did a fantastic job at you know, bringing bringing us all together, um, and I just simply didn't want to miss it. Um, especially since Andre brings us together, and he really represents the essence of trail running. Um, there is no support, no fluff. The only thing that matters is forward movement and hitting all all the targets. Um, and I really love the spirit of of his race and. For nothing on earth, I would have missed it, even if if I had to suffer a little bit. Oh, and I'm sure you did suffer, and we'll we'll get more into that, Virginie. We could we could, and I'd love to get you back on the podcast to have like a full chat about your backstory, the amazing Run HK charity, and um, that you direct in in Hong Kong. But for the purpose of this conversation, we'll focus on the Hong Kong Four Trails. We'll share more about that backstory in future. And so you survived in 68 hours, I seem to remember last year. Yes which is just for the first time doing it um, was just such an unbelievable effort and unbelievable time. And so w- when did you actually decide you were going to come back in 2021? Was it very soon after um, uh, after the finish? Or? Yeah, the next day. The next day. <laughs> and so, so basically you spent a year training towards uh, the 2021 version. So what, what changed? Like what, how did you prepare differently for the 2021? Uh, and what was, your, what was your goal that you set? I knew last year when I was running it that I would I would come back. I just wanted to come back and and imp- improve myself. Um, I think last year I was very naive. I just went out at the event, didn't suffer too much, really enjoyed it. You know, my goal this year was to come back and run 
as close as as close to 60 hours as possible. Of course, I'm more a cold weather person. And last year, the rain was just, you know, my my perfect ground. This year, the forecast was more on hot and dry heat, which I don't really like. And my body, I need to drink a lot of water. So um, it didn't work out as well. Um, so I was much slower than last year. And I already knew on the Mac that I would not make it, which was like a little bit of a of a mental bummer. But my initial goal was to come back, have a better experience and be faster. But I totally got knocked in the face. Well, I mean, you say that, that you were um, you're a lot slower. And your overall time um, being, I think you did 69 hours, 55, or like just under 70 hours this year, which was a couple of hours slower. But, but actually... On the Mac, you, um, I think everyone went out, like uh, got start line fever, got like race face at the beginning. I know it's not a race, but they just got that adrenaline going. And there was just some rapid times coming out of the blocks in the, um, on the first day. Yeah, you completed the Mac 45 minutes quicker. Um, and uh, there was a few things that I noticed just from looking at the pictures and just uh, and, and following you. Like you seemed, you, you looked a lot fitter. Like you looked like you've been training really hard. I'm not saying that you didn't look in shape last year, but like you, you looked in unbelievable shape. You also looked like you were um, a lot lighter on the trail. Like I remember last year um, starting alongside you and you had a big backpack on. And I was like, oh, you look like you've, you're carrying a lot there. So what else did you like? What did you change going into this year to, um, to prepare yourself? So I really um, focused more on uh, strength training. Um, so I'm training at, at, at John Dynamics here in Hong Kong with David Jackie. So I did more, more targeted strength training. I also uh, worked consistently with uh, Justin Andrews, uh, my running coach. We set up, he set up a very solid uh, running plan. So I think I run 50% longer distance than last year and did about 120% more a positive incline in training so my training was really, wow. really um, everything was just way more intense it didn't technically pay off on 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 the on the day itself but i definitely felt quite strong physically and mentally um out there this weekend so he was more strength training more longer distance more incline my pack was much lighter as well. Last year, my pack was heavy because the weather forecast was quite negative last year. So I had a lot of like extra gear, which this year we did not we did not um, um, need. And I think also my mental preparation this year was um, um, a little bit better or a little bit more focused, which I also really needed because being the 10th anniversary, the field was really elite and you know, a lot of um, amazing athletes like Stone, Tom, um, Nikki. Um, I totally felt out of my league there. And I knew that I would be at the back of the pack, basically the whole race. And this is not something that goes well with my personality. Um, so I had to do a lot of like mental prep to accept the fact that I would be basically the last dot on the map, which I was for almost the whole race and which I had to accept. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, I'm fascinated about the the three things you focused on in terms of strength and conditioning, um, more distance, more elevation. What what did you what kind of distance were you doing in your training? And you were focused on distance rather than time. And and so what what volumes were you doing for um, running up to the um, the the challenge? <laughs> You know, I, I'm not at all a, num a numbers person. Until 
I did four trails last year. I had no running watch. It's only something that I bought when I started training for Hong Kong four trails. I love to just go out there, hit the hills. What I count is the time on the legs. So this year I had basically to learn to look at numbers, which don't connect with me, doesn't connect with my brain. So if you need to exact numbers, you need to check with, with, with Justin Andrews. But I know from the top of my head that I did about at least 120, 130K a week. And I think between 3,500 elevation as well. I think peak weeks were around 6,000. 6, but it was a lot of quite back-to-back training, you know, also focusing a little bit more on, on speed on the trails. I'm not a technical runner, runner. Um, so it's also something I had to do more and more, hit, hit more technical trails. Um, so yeah, like a massive learning process. And I don't feel I'm done yet. I still have so much to learn. And, and when I saw all those guys flying um, over the weekend, I was like, oh my God, you know, this is just simply, they, they just blew my mind when, when I saw them pass. And I, I started like at the, 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 the time where the starting time was staggered. So um I started um, just after Chris, so I think I was the fourth person at 6.13, and I knew I would see a Stone pass, Nikki pass, um, and it was just so impressive. They make it all look look so, 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 so easy. Also Jackie, Jackie passed with like a massive smile as if he was going to a party, you know? I could see that he was gonna, gonna rock it. He was just so relaxed, so positive and, and moving so lively. He was really flying. So um, when you see these guys, you can only dream and, and, and you just realize how much work um still 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 has to be done yeah that must have been a, a amazing being able to see everyone um yeah. go past although as you say it's quite challenging because then it gets to the point where you're like you know a lot of the people have passed you and then it's like you're you're sort of catch up from there but you still did an amazing time on the um on the mac uh, however it was like 1640 i want to say or um yeah, or around uh, yeah it doesn't stick with me. I'm not a numbers person. So if you tell me it's 20, yeah. I will say yes. So um, yeah, some, something like that, 16 and a half. Um, I think the, the big advantage um, compared to last year, last year, it was it was a massive rainstorm. And at some point we had water yeah. until the middle of our calves. That was not happening this year. And also there was no lights, no no thunderstorm, nothing. So the weather was pretty clear on, on, on the first night. It was really lovely running weather. So I think that also really helped with the... Uh, yeah with moving a little bit faster but but you did say that you knew by the time you got to the end of the mac that the that to push for 60 was probably out of the um yeah out of the realms of possibility yeah um but you're you you headed over to the wilson and how was the um how was the transition and how was it going over pats and leng in um at at night in the wilson all all went smoothly the wilson the start was pretty tough i was quite sleepy and i could really already feel the impact of the mac and you know, I knew that I was I was at, at, at the back of the pack. And so going over Patsing Leng took me hours. I was sleep hiking uh, most of it. And I really had to push, uh, pull myself together a few times to keep, to keep going. When I hit the 7-Eleven in Tayo, I was not feeling that great. But I managed to eat quite a bit of food until the guy behind the counter started to prepare breakfast. And I'm a vegan and he took out some fish, fish sauce which the smell didn't go well with me. So I projectile 
vomited all over the shop from the guy no. in the shop in the shop so all my calories that i had really managed to put oh. in my stomach were all over the 7-eleven so i got gently kicked out of the 7-eleven <laughs> and <laughs> so i waited a little bit outside got some coke into me and just said okay now um and some m&ms m&ms always do magic with me so i got a few m&ms some coke and i was like okay now you know no calories. I can do this with no calories. Just keep going. And I just, just, just kept going. But I kind of erased that from my brain because you want to forget that you haven't eaten or that you vomited everything. You cannot stay focused on that or your, your waste is just going down to the drain. So, um, yeah. So I just, just kept going on M&Ms and Coke. And that's forgot. crazy. So that's a typo, like half you see, so you'd already um, done sort of like cloudy hill. You'd come yeah. down and it's sort of halfway along the Wilson that must have, and that must have been like demoralizing. Also, just yeah, you obviously didn't clean up after yourself. <laughs> I just left a nice puddle no, on the floor. No, quite bad. But I, I was, I was, you know, this very sweaty, stinky lady in the shop who vomited it over every, over everything. The only thing they wanted is to get me out of there. So, um, which I did. And there was, there was a drunk guy outside who found this all very funny. So. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I was. The, was any of the video crew with you at the time? I hope not. <laughs> Thank God, no. There was no one. So, and since I was at the back of the pack, I was running most of the time um, by myself. I think the only time I ran with with, with someone was with Chris Kwan on on Lanto Trail when um, when we were um, hitting um, Tayo. Uh, but 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 before that, I was you know for most of the trails, I was I was on, by myself. Well, I mean, that's amazing. You managed to pull yourself through that. And there was a lot, it sounds like there's a lot of people that had stomach issues, yeah. the heat. It's normally the heat that affects people. You just can't keep stuff down once um, uh, once it gets pretty hot. But you um, you saw it all the way to um, the end of the Wilson. Um, how was the transition from um, from Wilson to Hong Kong Trail? Did you, uh, were you sleeping at, did you manage to sleep at any point um, from uh, until this point? Um, so I, when I finished on the twins, I came down and I must say something that really helps is having fantastic crew. Um, and I had fantastic crew. My friend, um, Brenda, uh, Brenda Sawyer was waiting for me and with her husband, they drove me, um, to Shaco. There, um, David Jackie was waiting for me to go over from the crew to give me a leg massage, just to work a little bit on, on my hamstrings because everything was quite tight. But before that I had... A 25 minute nap like full nap kicked everybody out of the car slept really deeply and then had a massage ate, um, ate a meal that i could keep keep inside um, inside my stomach and then kept going again and i really felt good on 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 hong kong trail um it was the middle of the night second no, was it the first night in i don't even remember second night in yes yeah, um, but took two caffeine pills and, and and just just kept going all the way to the peak no issue um, but the only issue I had before finishing the Wilson, now I remember, um, is that in the MTR, um, I met with the film crew. On the MTR, I had to wear a mask, obviously, because of COVID. And I I half fainted on the MTR with the film crew next to me. I think it's just the MTR was very, very crowded and putting the mask on the lack, the lack of oxygen. I was talking to Patrick from the film crew and he was asking me questions and I just raised my hand and said, listen, I'm I'm fainting, I'm I'm going down and just went down and lay down in the MTR. <laughs> very crowded MTR, but, you know, just waiting for the dizzy spell to pass. And after that, I was fine. 
um, I, I ate some fries that I had bought at McDonald's. But um, yeah, besides, you know, besides that, Wilson, Wilson was fine. And Hong Kong Trail was, I think, for me, the smoothest one. When I arrived at the peak, we went straight to the ferry. I took the 9.30 ferry. But again, things were quite challenging because, you know, it was Chinese New Year with COVID. People were all over the place. So the trails were packed. The ferry was packed. And um, together with, with, with Brenda, my crew, we had to, um, we were told we could not get on the ferry. So they closed the gate just in front of me. I was wrapped into, um, you know, it was quite hot, but I was still a hat on and a, and a big jacket. And I told the lady, no, I have to go on the ferry. I'm doing a race. Um, I have to go onto the ferry. And I think... Um, she saw that I was very distraught and let, let Brenda and myself on uh, on the ferry. And there I just went into my sleeping bag on the ferry and, and, and slept until I got um, got to Lanto. And then... That is absolutely crazy. Sorry, let me, let me, do, let me just get like... So it wasn't that you were, you, you were there at the ferry with plenty of time, but it was just so busy that the ferry was full and they wouldn't let any more people on. And you were like literally the next person to get on and they were like, ferry's full. Yeah, and 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 they, they pulled like they, they pulled the gate in front of me, just right under my eyes, and I was like, no, this is this cannot happen. I, I cannot lose thirty minutes just standing here um, with nothing to do when when I know I still have to run seventy k that are gonna take me hours anyway. I hope that you know it was not cheating. I hope it's not cheating per Andre's norms. Um, his norms are pretty tight. But you know, we just talked to the ladies and said, "No, I have to get on. Let, let me on the ferry." And and she did. Ah, oh, thank but, God that she did. That would have been yeah, that would have been tough. Mentally, it would have been a massive, massive bummer. Uh, but then when yeah. I arrived on Lanto, the beautiful thing is that I saw Salomon coming. So um, I went to Salomon's finish, just stood in the crowd. I was like, I'm not going to miss what this amazing young man is doing. All his hard work over the years. Salomon trained like a beast more than anyone. Um, so I went to his finish, cheered in the crowds, and then just went to Lanto Base Camp, got my pack together, and took off to do, to do my own Lanto. But with hindsight, that was a little bit heavy mentally to know that people were finishing and that I was still back of the pack, you know, just one step in front of the other, slowly, slowly um, getting it all done. But it's, I'm so happy. Yeah. I mean, that must have been just so amazing to witness that and to see Solomon come in. I was going to ask you like, what was the, because I can imagine whilst that is like truly inspiring to be able to see him do it, then you do realize that you've just got another 70 kilometers done and he can actually he's done now and so so whilst that did that spur you on or did that actually make it more challenging for you knowing that oh he's done and i'm only just starting the last trail you know i was just very happy for him because he worked so hard to be where where he is and even if he didn't break 50 he's just such an example of, of of commitment I, I was happy for him. And, you know, we all need to know where we belong, right? I'm, 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 I'm just an, an, an average, you know, mummy runner with, with, with a full-time job and so much other things going on. And I was just happy about the chance of being able to do this. And, and I didn't let it affect me at all. Unbelievable. So you, you head out onto, onto the Lantau Trail. At that point, how long did you have to finish Lantau? So it would have been, you must have set off around sort of 10.30 mm-hmm. uh, in the morning or so, yeah. or like uh, pushing 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, did you know that you had 
ample time in the bag to be able to survive? Like, what was your, how were you feeling setting off? I felt okay um, setting off, but again, it was very warm. And once I set it off, I just realized how packed the trails were. And just hitting Puyo, it was, the trails were jammed packed and I had to keep dodging people. It was just mentally on top of the fatigue such such a, a game of, of of constant focus not to to trip over people you know people are hiking with those those poles and those those long bam, bamboo poles and so it was mentally extremely tough i would say the the first half of lanta until the end of the afternoon when when trails were starting to empty so I suffered a lot on Lanto. Um, my 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 calves were totally shot also at that point, but it was just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other. And I was hoping to finish around midnight, but things didn't pan out like that at all. Um, everything took a little bit more time. Um, so Lanto was a massive uh, brain game and just a matter of keeping the head in the game. I was very happy to hit, to meet Chris. Chris caught up with me on the long catchment before hitting the small village where all the dogs are before before Tayo. And we ran a little bit together, but Chris was much faster. And she told me, stay with me. I said, no, Chris, I can't. Chris had taken a very bad tumble in the race in the beginning. So she yep. took it slow in the beginning, but she was still super fresh and could definitely, you know, um, smash it big time. So um I let Chris go and, and, and just and, and did, did my thing on Lento. Seeing the pictures of Chris, she just, yeah. um, she had this just like beamy, oh, she's always got a huge smile, but she yeah. was just like on the last trail. I mean, obviously she had a tumble, as you say, on the Mac yeah. and, and was pretty slow. Um, yeah. and, but, and then as soon as she was on Lantau, she just got this complete new, um, yeah, uh, like a whole new fire in her belly and just was flying, wasn't she? She, she was flying and she, she stopped. She gave me some magnesium. She always have and some vitamins. She said, take some vitamins, take some magnesium, um, take it before I go. And I said, OK, thank you, Chris. So I took her her, her, her her little vitamins, which I think really helped me. And then and then she took off and, and I couldn't even see her headlamp. Um, she just was flying ahead of me. I was hoping maybe to see her in Nongping. Nongping was really, really eerie um, at night. There was absolutely no one. But I love yeah. the toilets in Nongping. I always sleep in the toilet there. So I had a 10-minute nap in, 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 in the public toilet before hitting um, Lanto, Lanto Peak and Sunset Peak. But yeah, I was secretly hoping to at least hear a headlamp so that this, this could keep me going. But she was too far ahead. So really proud of her. Yeah, amazing. And, and so you headed out and the bit from Tayo to Nomping for me is just is just brutal it's like a it's just the most it's just so tough it's just never ending and um you, you kind of mentally just think that it's Lantau and Sunset you've got to worry about but just from Tayo to the road up to the Big Buddha and to Nomping is it is just horrible um did you, you I, one question I had I mean you mentioned that you need to carry a lot of water and one thing I was just thinking about is like there isn't a great a deal of water on that part of the course either. There's no streams, no anything. Um, it was obviously at night for you at that point. Yeah. But how were you doing about getting water on the course? Um, so from 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 Tayo to the finish, it's quite challenging, especially in the dark. So in also in Tayo, the usual shop was closed. But I knocked on the door and the guy. Opened. Of course. Oh. 
<laughs> so um so he gave me he gave me some so I bought some water and I also bought I got a little bit extra if 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 Nongping was closed. Um but the toilet was open in Nongping so I could refill on on um on, on my filter there um in the toilet. But there was like no food, nothing, everything was closed. So basically you have to be a little bit gutsy and enter the shops that are usually closed. And people are super friendly in Hong Kong. They're, they're very happy to um to, to to sell you water and drinks at any time of the day. So I knew it would not be an issue. And so did you know once you got to Nongping, did you feel that it was still you could that your surviving was in the bag, you'll be able to get in under 72 hours or were you really having to push? I had totally lost um, track of track of time at that stage. Um, going going up Lanta um, Peak, I was focusing on taking 30 steps at the time, then taking five deep breaths um a break basically just um, to to breathe deeply five times and keep going so that kept me going all the way up to lanta peak um going up land going down lanta was horrendous because it's all small steps and my stomach was not great then um i was quite dizzy um so i managed to keep five m&ms down and i was very proud of myself just to go down um, it sounds crazy, but to go down land on five M&Ms. So I kept them down. Again, the M&Ms did the magic. Uh, but then going up sunsets, um, I had basically forgotten what I was doing there. I had no clue that I was doing Hong Kong four trails. I only wanted to go into my bed. And I had to really dig really deep and remind myself, it's funny what the brain is doing, that this was actually a race and that I had to keep a challenge, that I had to keep going and um, that I had to make it to the post box. But my my brain at that, at that moment had totally stopped functioning. So I had no clue that I was doing Hong Kong for trails. It was just all gone, all down to the drain, down the drain. Absolutely no recollection why I was there, which which is very scary with hindsight. My only concern was to to um, to go home. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it gets to the point on that on that third night where it's just yeah. the complete delirium. Even with the sort of ten minute nap in Nongping, like you're just um, yeah, your brain is doing tricks on you. And uh, did um, did you have any uh, sleep monsters? Were you seeing any uh, um, we we seeing any visualizations on that third night? Or? Yeah. Oh, already already the second night in. You know, even the first night that was already. Having, um, I was not fully rested when when I started the race. Um, work was really busy, so I knew it would be really really tough. And the first night, then I already had hallucinations. So the hallucinations on the third night were all about um, animals. I've seen elephants, um, leopards, lions. Um, everybody was talking to me. Trees were falling on me. Like I've seen the most the most amazing things. Um, well, on Hong Kong Island, I've actually I've seen like a leopard looking cat before. Like and like I was like, am I actually tripping out or is that? But there is actually like some leopard looking cats um, that I've like I took. I was like, I took a photo of it just to make sure that I wasn't freaking out. But yeah. um, but yeah, you you got down off of uh, Sunset Peak. You got into Muiwo. You must have known that you'd like that you'd sort of had surviving in the bag. But I can imagine it was painful coming down yeah. off of some Sunset Peak to get to Muiwo. What was the um? What what did it feel like getting to the post box? I had my family waiting at the post box. Uh, my crew was waiting, and also some refugees from the charity for which I work, and that really meant meant the world to me. Um, I think when I went down the last three k on the road, all the pain just 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 went away. It was all about 
seeing them, um, embracing them, also seeing Andre and, and, and Paper, um, hearing the, the call, but the, the bell from, from, from far away. I think that just those were the things I was really, really mentally hanging on to and what, what kept me going um, all the way to the finish. When I saw the post box, I was not so happy to see it because you kind of, you have a love-hate relationship with the post box. And at that, that stage, I was very tired and I hated it. I think today I love it a little bit more, but at that moment I was like, Andrew told me, oh, you know, you know what to do with the post box. And I said, no, I really don't want to guess it. You know, oh, you know, it's been, <laughs> I was just too tired. But then get I hope someone had sterilized it as well, because it's seen a fair bit of action by the time you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're so dirty at that stage that, you know, we cannot be too, 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 yeah. too. And who was there from your family to greet you? To greet you, I mean, you've said about your crew and how amazing they were, but um, yeah, but yeah, who who was there my, like from your family? So my children, um, I have to, I have uh, two, I have three teenage children, and and two um, uh, two of them were there: Maxime, who is sixteen, and Victoria, who is um, fourteen, and my husband was there as well, as well as uh, about fifteen refugees who who made it um, at uh, around three a.m. in the morning and just waited for hours for me and. Brenda Sawyer, my crew, so that was just beautiful, you know, how people believe in you, um, even if sometimes you, you really doubt yourself, you know, your mental capacity to finish those things. Um, so, yeah, it really, it's meant a lot to me. And it's something that will keep me going also for the months to come. Virginia, I've got goosebumps. I hope people listening have too. Um, you are just a true, true inspiration, not just for your running ability and the, the dedication you show there, but but also the, the charity that you run, Run HK, and to have the some of the refugees there at the end and some of the, the work that you do there is just is amazing. Um, Andre and I had a had a bet throughout the race. I'm not sure if he mentioned to you, but we had a wager on um on. I said that someone would finish fifth, um, in sub 50 and he was like there's no chance this was probably when Stone and Solomon were still on the Wilson um, and uh, and yeah the the plan was that he would donate to um, uh, to Free to Run which is a charity that I'm sure you know very well and that I've, like, I've supported for years um, and yeah. if someone yeah, and if someone didn't then um, do it then I would uh, I would donate to um, to his choice which was Run HK I'm pleased to say that we've both donated to both charities and uh, and everyone's a winner in the end the house always wins but um thank you for everything you do for uh, at run hk for just this unbelievable run this unbelievable performance um you're you're a true in- inspiration virginia and um and yeah we i think like we all just appreciate you so much thanks scott thanks for giving me this opportunity and thank you also to the fabulous running community here in Asia I think it really represents the true spirit of running and I'm I'm so honored to be to be part of it tell the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad I hope you enjoyed those two interviews with uh, those incredible athletes look out for the second part of the uh, of the recap of Hong Kong four trails coming in the next few days where we'll be joined by Jackie Lung and Andre Bloomberg Tell the truthful story if they ever ask Stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad